What's up, guys? It is Tuesday, August 17th, episode 164, and I have Sam Kim today, partner of the Umbrella Network. We mostly talk about and focus on how oracles are vital within the blockchain space for maintaining a sense of security and congregation of data for data feeds. But don't worry about the fine details. I'll let Sam explain that more to you within the episode. So make sure you tune in and be sure to subscribe and share this episode with somebody that you think would like to learn more about the Umbrella Network and Sam Kim. Enjoy. All right, Mr. Sam Kim, how are you doing today? Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Brandon. Thanks for having me here. Pretty excited. To happy to, yeah, happy to have you, man. Um, where, were you, where are you based? Where are you from? I know you told me, but the audience probably wants to know too. Yeah, well, originally I'm from New York. Uh, spent most of my life there. Ended up moving to LA uh, back in 2009 following uh, business school, where um, and I started my kind of career as a tech entrepreneur. A um, couple of companies that I've started. This is, uh, I guess, my, well, I guess it's like my fourth one uh, that I really launched. And then uh, recently moved to Las Vegas and uh, loving every minute o- over here in Vegas. I don't know what, why it took me so long to find it. Yeah. What do you like about Vegas so much? It's, you know, one of my favorite places in the world. And I've, I've spent so much time in Vegas, kind of grew up there. Yeah. So you know, despite the 115 degree temperature, yeah. <laughs> You know, I've been to Vegas many times throughout my career, uh, but most of that time I spent it on the strip and, you know, uh, along in the Asian restaurants on Spring Mountain Road. But and so like in the summers, I didn't even realize it gets to 115 because I was indoors most of the time. But uh, despite that, like I'm now kind of exploring outside of that, those two areas, been spending some time in Henderson and Southern Highlands, um, you know, and, and, and there's just great diversity there in terms of not just like ethnic diversity, but also just personalities and, and people's interests. It's uh, far more broad. And what you find is that people are pretty open to conversation. Uh, they're interested in learning more about you and, and, they, and kind of explaining themselves. It's a, so it's more of a community than uh, in that regard, a friend, very warm and friendly community compared to you know, the, the big cities of New York and Los Angeles. At the same time, you've got excellent food, you've got tons of entertainment, and uh, friends seem to always want to visit you in Las Vegas. They, 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 it's an exciting place for everybody to come to. So I, I, I've been loving it so far, uh, and I can't wait to really explore more and learn more. Yeah, the only setback that I always hate is the heat. That dry heat is just crazy, especially this time of year. Yeah. Oh, oh boy, yeah, 110, 115. I, I've seen it 120 before. Jeez. Right. It, it can be a little difficult, but you yeah, know, the key is yeah. they try to get everyone to stay in the casinos and they just pump it full of oxygen and humidity <laughs> and keep the ACs Well, on. it's working. I tell you, I'm telling you, like you spend a lot more time indoors, including at the casinos uh, at this time of year. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's the only way to survive in Las Vegas at this point in time. Um, have you figured out the tech scene down there yet? Um, I, I know there's a lot of, you know, crypto businesses starting to pop up. Vegas is getting a little bit more crypto friendly. Have you been able to exploring of that so i've mostly been meeting kind of like the investor class uh in mm-hmm. vegas and not so much into the builder community so far um and you know being in COVID at all it's been a little bit difficult to get out there but you know uh most of my 
kind of network has been in the Los Angeles, New York area, as well as kind of the global scene. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to kind of when things open up a little bit more uh, so that we can actually engage more in person and uh, really get out to the building, you know, the building community. Obviously, the investor class is important as well, but I'm really just kind of more focused on, you know, I'm more focused on building product, uh, getting developers using our product and uh, getting the word out there to the developer community. Yeah, is the point to be integrated with the investor community, investors out there to raise more money, or um, what's the general mindset? No, it just hurt by chance. I mean, it just okay. seems like the events that I've gone to there so far um, was more uh, a community of token buyers, like primarily, you know, Ethereum and Bitcoin uh, buyers. And so, yeah, it's just more by chance. Yeah, Vegas is a great place to meet people like that, too. They have so many conferences and expos yeah. and meetups and, um, events that get set up in vegas around you know crypto and blockchain and and just tech in general and they have ces there every single year absolutely um, so that's a great place to be yeah no i've been a frequent i've been attending ces for some time there's also um a parallel kind of portion of ces that's focused on digital advertising which mm -hmm. is sort of where my background is from how, how long you've been going to ces i've been going as, as long as i possibly have been able to ever since um I started college, so I don't know, like seven, eight years. Okay, yeah, I've been got it probably going on and off for about eight years now. Yeah, it, so. I always, uh, I, it's my favorite expo to go to. Just there's so much there. I, I can never see it all either, but it's it's fun and inspiring to see what's going on and what's being created and innovated. Yeah, I mean, it's get, getting so big that it's been hard to have those sideline meetings that you typically have. I mean, I'm sure you've experienced that growth, right? Yeah. Over the past eight years, like it used to be that you can meet one another pretty fairly easily. Um, now it's nearly impossible. It takes, you know, you're always late because it takes 30 minutes to find your meeting that day. Um, and so a lot of, you know, it's been incredibly great to see all of the like innovation and the development. But unfortunately, I, I feel like nowadays I spend more time kind of uh, finding my kind of uh, the person I'm supposed to meet as opposed to walking the show and seeing the booths. But uh, the energy is like nothing else, right? I mean, everybody's there uh, to strike the new year with, you know, uh, get get going on the right foot, do some deals that's going to set them up for the year. It is it is really exciting and the energy is unparalleled. Yeah, have you, you thought about, uh, have you ever thought about setting up a booth for Umbrella Network or anything like that to just get more people, you know, noticing it and interested? Yeah, I mean, uh, we're going to have some announcements coming up in the near future where it's it's going to be more relevant for us to be at kind of a CES and probably including CES as an event. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, we're definitely going to have a presence there uh, in, the, in the near future. Yeah, I think what we're going to do is we're going to get a, a press pass and try and set up a table or a booth where we can start doing interviews at CES. Um, ideally, that's what we'd love to do because there's so many people that go there yeah um it's it's just great exposure um so working on those details maybe there'll be a little block hash announcement in the future stay tuned all right well see you um, over in vegas yeah we'll i'll see you in vegas at some point um Absolutely. i go there often enough anyways tell me more about um umbrella network i'm, I'm kind of curious like what is um you know what's what is it what's the goal what's the purpose behind it why'd you guys create it yeah, so Umbrella Network is a community-owned Layer 2 Oracle. So to kind of break that down a little bit, like mm -hmm. traditionally Oracles have worked in such that like large professional validator or node operators typically run the network. 
right? And 21 of the larger uh, network operators. Where, you know, I come, I got into blockchain and crypto specifically because I believe in the power of decentralization. And when I say decentralization, not just kind of uh, large professional outfits, I want the community to manage because I think that's the best way to secure the network, right? I believe having a diverse, broad, uh, unaffiliated, unconnected node operators is, is the most secure way uh, when you're operating on a proof of stake system or any system, to be honest. Uh, prevents collusion, prevents, you know, kind of civil attacks, et cetera. And so where we're different is that we're actually handing off the operations to our community um, as we speak. I think we've announced our first six uh, validators um, a handful of them are already live and running nodes and we'll be continuously adding to this community pool. And I think that that's going to make us, you know, uh, give us a level of security that, you know, only you can only do by really decentralizing. Um, and we're, we're early in that process, but we'll, you know, we're building towards uh, full decentralization. So that's one. Second part is that we use um, a side chain that's built using a, a Merkle tree. And Merkle tree, basically, if you're not a technical person, it's just a simple way for us to aggregate data and store that data efficiently uh, on the blockchain. And so rather than taking one piece of data and writing that as a transaction on Ethereum or Binance Smart Chain or any other uh, blockchain, what we do is we're aggregating today 1,200 pieces of data and updating that every single time we do a transaction on the blockchain. So we roll up those 1200 pieces of data uh, and then we write a single hash that's a unique representation of that Merkle tree onto the blockchain. And so what it means for us is that there's no incremental cost of adding additional data feeds or price pairs. Uh, and so right now, like I said, we do 1200 pieces of data. I believe our you know, the largest competitor is somewhere around 250 um, in their kind of comparable product. And our goal is really to get to about 10,000 by the end of this year. You know, we're working with the community and of developers to understand what other data feeds they want on chain. Right now it's heavily skewed to uh, crypto assets and then the S&P 500, along with some commodities and synthetics. But, you know, we, we plan on onboarding far more crypto pairs. Uh, we want to be as diverse and representative of like Uniswap as an example, um, as mm -hmm. possible, because we believe all crypto assets deserve to be supported by an, uh, an oracle like us. Yeah, which crypto pairs do you have already? So basically, if you look at um, probably a top 700 or so uh, crypto uh, currencies, so rather than focusing on just the, the top, let's say 100 or 200, you know, we, we, we're bringing it to a full 700 and we'll be extending that soon so if you're a project out there listening and you know you need some you need an oracle to uh, support your price feed let us know We're, we don't charge for it we don't have any real we don't have any minimums in terms of your trading volume or how your token is mm -hmm. used uh, we just believe like every token mm -hmm. needs to be it needs to be supported via an oracle mm -hmm. Yeah, can you actually explain what an oracle is? Because every time I think of an oracle, yeah. I think of the um, the little floating ball from Halo. It's always <laughs> you know following around Master Chief and whatnot. Um, <laughs> but it's always the thing that pops in my head. But like wh when you guys say oracles, like in the space, like what does yeah. that mean at a more surface level? Yeah. So you know, 
dApps or smart contracts can't access data that's sitting off chain, right? So in, in, traditionally, when you use a you know application on your phone or your computer, it's that application is able to access data via API or website or, or whatever. You, um, smart contracts can't do that. So they need an intermediary, uh, a layer like us, to take data from an, a centralized source like an API. Um, in the case of a price feed, it can be from an exchange like Binance or Huobi or uh, a price aggregator like a crypto compare or even uh, a CoinGecko, right? And we make that available to the applications, that to the smart contracts or dApps. But that process is, you know, this is subject to manipulation, right? There's a lot of risk in that process of getting that data from a centralized source via an API over to the blockchain. And so as an example, you know, you see oftentimes um, a project using a single data source for their uh, price feed. And so let's say they're looking at the price of DAI and they're using, you know, um, I don't know, any, let's say Coinbase Pro as a source of the price of DAI or DEX. A hacker or somebody can actually manipulate that price on that one single source and take advantage of that manipulated data to exploit um, the project. So if you are a lending protocol that's based, that's using the price of DAI, if a hacker is able to manipulate how you how that price of die is fed into your smart contract they can take advantage of that and exploit it and we've seen that in, in numerous flash loans uh that combines the flash loan with an oracle kind of manipulation or hack that's an example of where that data is not being managed uh prop securely from the source to the smart contract thereby resulting in millions of dollars of losses We've seen that with Harvest Finance. We've seen that with Compound. We've seen that with a number of others. Uh, Oracle's, you know, a proper secure Oracle will look at multiple data feeds, um, ensure that there's some integrity in those data feeds. Maybe we're dropping kind of the outliers or we're taking a median or a mean. We're doing some processing or uh, computation to ensure the security and the authenticity of that data when we push it into the smart contract. That's how we mitigate against things like flash loans, right? And so that's why I say, you know, it's important that every crypto asset has Oracle support, right? Because just because you're a smaller project shouldn't mean that you and your community community should be subject to or susceptible to attacks like that, right? You should um, be just as secure as um, a die or you know um, a compound or synthetics right like your token should be just as well supported should be people should have just as much faith using your token as an asset or collateral or how, whatever they want whatever uh use case they have they come up with and so that's why you know we believe it's important that our system where we have you know no incremental cost of supporting additional data uh, that we actually get it out and support all the crypto assets out there yeah, I was just going to actually touch on that and ask uh, what the purpose of maintaining that integrity in these in these data feeds is. Is it just for security or does it also lend to like efficiency and stuff on chain as well? Or are there other benefits? Yeah, I think what it does is opens up kind of the use cases, right? Like the more secure you ha security you have and the more access to data you have, uh, the more a developer can do, right? Today, as an example, like 
um, two areas where DeFi should be thriving, um, you know, things like indexes and options, right? They're huge markets um, that you have yet to really be um, to be mature in our industry. And a lot of that is like a, is a data problem, right? So if you have an index of, let's say, you know, 100 different crypto assets, imagine pulling all of that data uh, and, and, and pushing, supporting all of that as an Oracle, right? That gets very expensive, um, especially if you have to update it free, with a high frequency. Same thing with options. Options, you know, the, that pricing of options is largely a lack of data uh, issue. And so, yes, I think it's one, supporting the crypto assets that are available today for, you know, standard um, operations or use cases like, like lending. Uh, but also kind of to expand the portfolio of things that people can do, right? Like make indexes available because, you know, if you're, if you believe in efficient markets, right, you want to index or maybe you want to do a copy trade where, you know, you want to copy a wallet that has done really well throughout, you know, the past few months or past year. Um, you want to turn that into an index and be able to follow that and turn that into an asset. So, those are kind of examples. I think there's a lot more. I'm like, I'm really interested to see what developers come up with, right? Because um, when you put data, you make data available to developers, they come up with incredible solutions. And um, I, I, I think we're just getting started on that front. What have you seen thus far from a developer perspective um, that they've you know created under this um, pretense a little bit? Yeah, I mean, look, we've been pretty heavily, um, I mean, we have, really focused on indexes and options mm -hmm. as something that we wanted to drive. And so we've got a couple of projects in each area that's we're working with. Uh, and that'll, you know, those guys will launch um, when, when they launch, right? That's on their timescale. But those are two areas that I've actually um, really focused on. And we've actually been working on developing uh, data specific for those uh, two products. And, you know, I, I we'll have news about that as, as those projects announced, but, we're really excited about that. I think this is just kind of the first wave that we're going to see, uh, because, like I said, man, those are two of the most massive, mar largest markets in the centralized finance market, and we're, we really haven't tapped those. Uh, I mean, we have a little bit, right? We're pretty early as a DeFi community, but there's way more potential there, and um, I think unlocking the data is going to be a big part of solving that problem. Yeah, what are your thoughts on DeFi? It's been a very interesting, um, fast-growing little niche in blockchain. I guess I can't say little anymore, um, but in the last year and a half, my goodness, it's exploded quite a bit. Um, yeah. like, do you have an opinion yeah. on where the space is right now and where it's going? Yeah, Brent, I imagine you're, you're like many of us where you, know, you probably started with pretty basic use cases for DeFi. Now you're probably got a pretty complex portfolio, right? That's what I was a, a traditional Uniswapper. That was my number one place to go That's and swap and all those right? Ethereum tokens. That's where we all started. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, now it's almost difficult to keep up with the pace of innovation and growth. And, you know, I find myself spending you know, almost as much time keeping up with the pace of development as I do um, with my team. And so I, you know, I think we're just, but I think despite all this, we're still just getting started, right? If you can look at the TVLs and DeFi, it's still relatively small compared to the global financial market. And and if you think about um, how long it's been and we're continuing on this trajectory, um, you know, we're what? Probably in using American baseball parlance, are we even in the first inning? I mean, are we even finishing the first inning? 
So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, you combine that with some of the use cases that are going up that combines the NFTs and DeFi, you know, what, uh, I've seen people using NFTs to represent indexes, as an example, Th those types of things. Like we're just getting started and I can't, and, and, and I think in a year from now, the growth that we're going to be looking at is going to be unbelievable. Yeah, I, I agree. I've had so many people on the podcast and I've had so many different conversations in the past, but the one that I always end up talking about or that people want to talk about is DeFi. And it's been like that for months. Like it's just DeFi, DeFi, DeFi. Um, and I can just tell that's kind of direction everything's going. Everyone's trying to build some you know, DeFi solution or application on sure. one of these blockchains. They're you know experimenting with what they can do. And it's one of those niches where every time I talk to someone, there's some new idea, new philosophy, new way to approach the space. And it's really hard to keep up with it. The innovation within DeFi is, is moving very, very rapidly, yeah. um, you know, for better or worse. But And I think a lot of that is driven by kind of the improvements in the infrastructure uh, mm -hmm. that we provide to developers, right? So we started, you know, a year ago, we were all on Ethereum, right? And then transacting with gas prices that were costing like 200 quay, right? And then even higher, like those were extremely expensive. Now yet people still built and people still use because there, there was a, there was a lot of value to unlock still. Now we're providing, starting to provide them with kind of with um, Gen 2 blockchains and layer twos like Arbitrum and Optimism. And we've got Solana coming on. BSC, you know, it's the first example, you know, people have their opinions about BSC, but it was the first example of what you can do if the blockchain is a little bit faster and a lot cheaper, right? And so mm -hmm. we saw an explosion there and, and we see kind of uh, the, trend, the number of transactions there almost exceeding it, right? And so exceeding Ethereum even. Um, Polygon coming on, right? And then obviously Cardano, this, if you look at the market right now, there's just tremendous enthusiasm for Cardano. And so- Oh my God, yeah. It's, yeah. it's blown up quickly after that Alonzo update. Um, it's, I, I haven't seen it spike like that <laughs> compared to the whole market. Geez, it's Absolutely. moving fast. Yeah. And then Solana's right behind them too, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, Solana hit new highs and, uh, you know, it's a, it's a project that's got incredible promise and one that mm -hmm. we're, you know, we're excited to work with. So, you know, I think if you see just like the improvements in scalability, uh, the reduction in cost, and then with us, you know, we're, we're, we're going to be bringing in far more data for developers. So you combine like scalability, lower cost, more data, and it's just going to lead to just an explosion of growth, innovation, um, and who knows what people are going to come up with. I mean, Absolutely. I often liken it to like the mobile period where you combined LTE, you know, you were in the 3G world and all of a sudden they introduced LTE plus like Amazon Web Services. And all of a sudden you've got Uber, Yelp, and every other application you use on your phone today, right? Like, um, you know, when I first got into mobile, it was the 3G time period. And like just, mm -hmm. just watching that growth, it kind of reminds me of where we are today, um, where we're laying that, that infrastructure pipeline and the data pipeline for, for developers. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing our equivalent of the, the Ubers and the Yelps. Yeah, I am too. I, I think we're getting very, very close. The infrastructure is definitely a key aspect to that, you know, having a good foundation to build and innovate on top of. Um, so we're, we're getting close. I can, I can feel it. It's getting exciting. Um, does, uh, the umbrella network have any, you know, use cases or partnerships that you guys are excited about or that you've done recently? 
Um, it, we kind of talked about, you know, indexes and things like that and options and stuff, but like anything in particular that you guys are, that you like? Yeah. Well, I mean, one of the things that we've been focusing on is protecting the community. Um, you know, there's been uh, a number of attacks recently, including Chainswap, which affected us. Um, and then obviously, you know, yeah, we had the massive $600 million one, what was it, a week ago now? Um, and so, you know, we've been kind of, we've been focusing on a lot of partnerships, building around insurance, providing that uh, to our community of token holders. Uh, we've been working on, you know, work um, cross-chain solutions for our token bridge between Ethereum, BSC, uh, and other areas. And then um, just actually getting out there with our community of developers who are getting involved in, now that we're on mainnet on BSC and we'll be on mainnet shortly on Ethereum, you know, we're getting out to the hackathon community. We worked with Gitcoin um, back in July following ETCC to sponsor the hackathon there. and We'll be sponsoring more. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, those are the types of partnerships we're striving for. We're building the base, uh, getting the developers and getting the developers out there. Nice, nice. Uh, one more question, then we'll kind of start wrapping it up. What's the, um, what's your guys' roadmap look like, you know, finishing off the year, going into next year? Do you guys have any important milestones or updates or e even partnerships or use cases as well, kind of touched on? Um, anything that you want people to be, you know, aware of that's coming up on the horizon? Yeah, I mean, one of the big things is the goal to get to 10,000 data fees, right? We, we want to be mm -hmm. the most comprehensive uh, Oracle in the market. And so that's a big uh, goalpost for us. And, you know, we, it could be we may overshoot it, but, you know, 10,000 is sort of our goal um, by the end of the year. Next is we'll be on Ethereum mainnet uh, next month. So that is critically important for us to actually be live on Ethereum. You know, it's, it is, um, and we've been live on BSC for about a month. And that helped uh, us to get kind of, the community of validators on board in a lower cost environment before we uh, push out to Ethereum. So that's a huge milestone for us. And then really kind of the multi-chain solution, right? We'll be working on, on Polygon. I'm so used to saying Matic, I, you know, I have to bite my lip almost all the time. Yeah. Polygon, uh, Solana, Cardano, we'll be looking at the layer twos like Arbitrum uh, and Optimism. So kind of supporting wherever the developer community are um that's a that's kind of the the um longest part of our uh roadmap for this year right that's that's the most confident that, that takes up the most engineering time and resources but you know it, but it's also critically important that we be wherever the developers are and then also really just get to um adoption getting processing you know upwards of a hundred thousand transactions um you know a month would be kind of the first goal and then targeting that up towards the, to the millions in 2022 but that those would be the milestones that we're setting on we're setting focus on would you guys have a community um do you have a telegram or a discord where people can go and chat yeah we have both uh you can find it on our website our website is uh, umb.network and from there, you can find links to our Telegram, our Twitter. Uh, we post actively on both. Um, and of course, we have a Discord channel. And then finally, you know, we post a lot of content on Medium as well. So 
you know, follow us there for updates. And you know, we have some really exciting news coming up in the next month or so. So stay tuned. Looking forward to it. All right, um, yeah, Sam, thank you for taking the time. Uh, really appreciate it. Come on the podcast and explain what the Umbrella Network is. Um, I'll do my best to redirect people as well to Discord and Telegram if they want to chat and get involved. And um, yeah, really appreciate it, man. Thank you, Brandon. Talk to you soon. See you in Vegas. See you in Vegas. All right.